You're now tuned in to the Internal Communications Podcast. Every month, we'll be inviting the most exciting and seasoned people in the industry to discuss everything affecting internal communications today. Now introducing your host, Jonathan Davis. Hey, Rum. So welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. All right. Hey, so um, this is actually kind of coincidental because we were talking about focusing on uh, the leaders of internal comms for our uh, podcast in 2020 and then around that same time we got in touch um and well you had a very very interesting story and that's actually singular you have multiple interesting stories um so <laughs> i just want to give you the chance uh, to introduce yourself to our audience and uh well tell us why you're here to talk to them well thanks for the pr first of all thank you very much i don't you know i i do have some good experience actually um so my name is Ram Ektiar and I founded a company called Ram & Co. And we basically help agencies and brands get unstuck. But where my experience is relevant to what you guys are talking about today, I did the global communications for all of Novartis Pharma, um, for MetLife, for Citibank, um, and I've done a ton of change management. And so um, there's a lot of good experience working in the trenches, both on the junior side of the house and then working with the C-suite you kind of get to understand what it really takes to make effective employee communications happen. And it's definitely not a memo in the coffee room and, and you know, set it and forget it kind of a thing. There's a lot more involved. All right. So first off, you mentioned some very big names. Um, we, we also teased a little bit when we were talking about um, this, this whole leaders of internal comms thing. You mentioned, well, there's been a couple of very big leaderships uh, shifts recently. I mean, uh, just to name a couple of examples, we've got uh, AT&T in uh, senior leadership. Uh, McDonald's was obviously a big one. Boeing also went for a big one. Unilever, Apple, GM. These all happened very recently towards the end of 2019. Yeah. And so we're here to talk to you about what, what do you think happens when such a senior part of your company changes? What happens to the culture of the company and, and what can internal comms do with that? So it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, um, we can be blasé about it and say, hey, I don't work in headquarters or I just work in this corner of the company, but it definitely has an impact. And I think with the companies that you just mentioned, the culture was probably impacted before these leaders actually left. Look, they weren't, they didn't, they weren't dismissed. They didn't leave kind of like on the best terms all, all the time. And it was a matter of probably an inflection point for the company that it needed the change to happen anyway. So it's a really, it, it, you can look at it in two ways. You can look at it being very, very scary, or you can kind of look at it as an opportunity to do reset and to get back to what the company culture was all about. So it's a big deal, but it's also a huge opportunity if you do it the right way. So how do you, how do you start? I mean, you just mentioned getting back to what the company culture is all about. Uh, I mean, how do you start with that? Do you start surveying everyone? Sure. Or? So, so a lot of the times, um, and I find this a lot in startup cultures and startups that go kind of like they went from 12 guys hanging out at a WeWork, you know, everyone can hang out with each other. We're having beers, we're talking all of a sudden we got a little bit of funding and now, you know, the boss that I used to hang out with and have a beer has his own office and now he has a chief of staff and now he has all these different layers. And so you have this old guard who's used to this kind of like cool startup kind of culture that's no longer possible because the company is trying to scale and become big. So 
there, that's the initial culture change that typically seems to happen. With these large organizations, you really cannot do things from headquarters and think about it being successful. What you have to do is you have to really think about people at the different levels, but basically from seniority level, as well as what part of the company are they working in? Let's take Nike, for example. There's gonna be the people who are in, in Oregon who are really like really shaken by this, but then you have the factory over in you know Vietnam or something, they're not gonna really understand it as well. And they're gonna have a very different impression, right? So it's really important to recruit people from all different levels and all different corners of the company so you understand what's happening on the ground and so you make sure that whatever messages you develop, what kind of initiatives you propose are going to be relevant. Then secondly, you're going to use these same people. I call them ambassadors, champions, whatever cliche word you want to use, we sure. can use. But at the end of the day, these are the people who are closest to their peers. They're closest to the function. They're closest to the front lines. So it's really, really important to recruit those people, to get them to give you feedback and also help you roll out your initiatives and to see the change. But at the same time, leadership has to set a vision for the company. A CEO change is a big deal. Why? Why is this happening? Why should I stay in my job and continue to work for you versus jumping ship and going to another company, right? The biggest thing with change management is you have to make sure that you're keeping the lights on while you're figuring things out. And a big part of that is making sure that people feel comfortable, secure, um, layoffs are not coming, or if they are coming, don't worry, we're gonna take care of you kind of a thing. So you can make sure the business continues. It's all about business continuity. And then it's the next thing is, once we get through this transition kind of a thing, I need to make sure that your brand is preserved because maybe you're going through a tough sales period right now and you need to reduce staff or you need to change management, et cetera, but eventually you're going to want to grow. That's why you're changing the leadership to turn the business around or to address whatever shortcoming or whatever issue that was. So in order to be an attractive employer moving forward, the way that you handle change management and leadership changes is going to affect your brand and the way they're able to recruit people moving forward. Hmm. So you really are looking at it as a big opportunity. It's not just like this big, scary thing that you just mentioned. Listen, I've lived in America for about 20 years. So you get this blind optimism thing and it's kind of like a, like a drug. It's Kool-Aid because at the end of the day, you can look at it as doom and gloom. But the objective of change management is to continue the business and to turn it around. And that's what we have to remember. Right. So I, I think, uh, I mean, having dealt with some change management uh, before as well, one of my biggest challenges was always the change that happens. It happens at a very high level, which means that the most important parts that need to get signed off are also at that very high yeah. level. And because there's that right. uncertainty, there's a delay. And I always felt that the lack of speed impacts change negatively. How do you agree and how have you dealt with that before? A hundred percent. And so depending upon what level you are, you're going to have various levels of access to senior leadership, etc. A lot of the time it's going to be general counsel, the CFO, that kind of a people, this weird group of executives that are kind of, that you're not used to engaging with on a daily basis. Speed is essential because either you're going to get the message out and you're going to control the story or you're gonna let other people do it. So in terms of really, really getting to them and saying, look guys, we have to have our messages in place. We have to go through a Q&A session, ASAP, and think about all the miserable, 
uncharted territory kind of questions that, that, that employees and journalists and analysts and all these different people can ask, and we have to have an answer for them. And I'm not saying it has to be 100% fully baked, but we have to have a framework to work with. And then that way we can create those toolkits and onboarding of those champions and various different managers so we can all be uh, singing from the same hymn sheet, as they say here, so, you know, speaking the same message. Very, very important for consistency um, in, in terms of messaging. And, and speed, I think, is absolutely essential because employees will start, if journalists will start calling employees, employees will start sharing memos and, and tape record town halls and things like that. And if you don't have your act together, it, it's not a good look. So, uh, I mean, we've always been advocating that internal communications on the first most necessary level starts with creating alignment. And it, it, it sounds like that's also the case for change communications in general, right? Absolutely. And, you know, again, I can't reiterate how important the speed factor is. And then in terms of alignment, you bring up another good point. Who knows who's going to be bringing you into the office to be talking about this? A lot of the times it'll come out of human resources. A lot of times it'll come out of communications. A lot of the times those two don't talk to each other. <laughs> so your job is kind of like this kumbaya, Oprah, bringing people together kind of a thing to make sure that there is alignment and we're not all trying to kill each other. Hey, we're all actually working towards the same goal, which is stabilizing the business making sure that employees feel warm and fuzzy and safe and to chart out the, the strategy and the path for the company because you can generate excitement and enthusiasm and believe that this is a turnaround versus something really bad for the for example with nike um you know there are a lot of scandals there are a lot of allegations of misconduct etc that's an opportunity to kind of reset and show employees we took you, we heard you seriously. It's time for us to be doing something new, like putting our PR hat. They talked about the new guy's experience in um, digital and how that's going to be important for the company's transformation. We don't want to be selling through third-party resellers as much anymore. We want to be doing direct sales. This will help our bottom line. So it helps employees understand the rationale for the change and, hey, what's in it for me? What's in it for you, employee, is a better stock bonus. It's a better you know, growth opportunities, a company that's going to be more stable and a job that's more stable for you. And I think that, that what's in it for me factor is so crucial in the way that we communicate to people. A hundred percent. We have a, it's like a lame thing that we say here. It's called what's in it for me, FM, W-I-I-F-M. I don't even know how to say it, but what's in it for me, FM. At the end of the day, when you're talking to an audience member, they're very selfish. Look, we're all good people. We're all kumbaya. We're going to go volunteer and all that. But when it comes to your livelihood, that's very, very scary. How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to make sure that my kid can go to school and get the medicines, et cetera? Those basic needs are what people care about. And when you have these major leadership changes, I mean, let's talk about WeWork for a minute here. You don't know if you're going to have a job that causes instability. And what we saw at WeWork, because I have offices at a couple of WeWorks actually, I saw the staff slowing down. I saw the staff hanging out and not, you know, putting the mugs away, stupid things like that. I know that they sound dumb. But then as a tenant, I'm thinking to myself, I'm paying $3,000 for an 80 square foot, you know, office, eight, you know, I think that's eight square meters. This 
isn't worth it to me. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm just going to go sublease space somewhere else. And you wind up losing business. You wind up losing talent and you wind up losing your customers. And then it's the antithesis of what you want it to happen. But I think it's quite um, challenging because especially when you're the internal communicator, regardless if your function is formally internal comms or if you sit in HR or maybe you're part yeah. of corporate comms, whatever, right? Um, I would think it to be very challenging knowing that your biggest stakeholder has just left and then you need to empathize towards people at all ends of your organization and think, well, they're now thinking of their family, they're thinking of paying their mortgages, they're thinking of, can they feed, my, yeah. can they feed their pets? Uh, that, that's difficult to shift that mindset. I mean, how would you do that? And you know what? And, well, and, you, and, and, and here's the deal. You're also a human being and you're also an employee and you're probably also wondering, do I have a damn job and am I going to feed the bulldog today, right? <laughs> so for me, again, I'm very grateful that I've lived in the U.S. for so long. I try to see opportunity in everything. And it's about you know what, if I do a really good job with this uh, change management, if I show this new leader that I'm really good at my job and I'm paying attention, I'm, I'm thinking about it from all angles, there's an opportunity for me to rise within the company. There's an opportunity for me to do a really good job. and There's an opportunity for me to control the story. And if the coverage comes out externally about how we handled it from an internal perspective and it's positive, that's a win for me. And maybe I will lose my job still, but I'll put that on my resume and I'll take it to the next job. So again, what's in it for me, FM? Uh, yeah, I love that. that that's, that's a great <laughs> tip. So, hey, let's say you've just gone through this. I really, is that a website? I feel like we need to get one. It's a stupid sticker. Google it. You'll see. And it's like the cheesiest thing in the world. It's like from 1987, like shoulder pads included. But it's, it's a true basic it's a basic human truth. You're worried about yourself and what's going to happen to you. So you, if you remember that human psychology, because at the end of the day, why are we communicating? To make sure that our message resonates with our target audience. And that starts with you putting yourself in their shoes. So the employee is thinking, I want to keep my job. Is this a good company to stay with? Senior leadership is thinking, holy shit, I have a lot of people to convince. Um, internally, I have to make sure that the trains are still running on time. I have to make sure that investors still believe that we're actually a viable company. And I myself have to prove that I was better than these other guys. And a lot of these other guys, there's like a cult behind them. Their personalities, their celebrities. So there's a lot to live up for that leader. So if you're doing a really good job and if you show your leader that I'm all over this and I'm all about this, um, that's going to endear you to them and that's going to help you in your career and that's going to help you advance. So there's a, there's a selfish reason and there's an altruistic reason as well. So, well, I think the most beautiful parts are when those two come together, right? I think everybody who works at a yes. company works there because they have a certain thing they want to achieve and the company has a certain thing they want to achieve. And when those two totally. are aligned, you, you create magic basically. So yeah. you actually cool. just t touched on, on something interesting. Um, you were talking about those, that's when you become endearing to leaders and, and this is when they start listening to you. Yeah. So you're in, in change, you're navigating a very complex, either restructuring in people or even the entire organization. You have to navigate through a lot of layers of leaders and there's no way that you are buddy buddy with everyone. How do you gain the trust of those people that you need? 
it's it's a lot of, well, hopefully you're not doing this on the day of the change, right? So, you know, it's hard to establish relationships and it's hard to establish um, trust overnight. So it's something that, you know, what I would say to you is um, you reap what you sow. Again, I'm full of cliche um, examples today. But if you're putting the seeds of, I'm really good at my job and I really give a shit, people see that. Um, and people respect you and people trust you. But with all those other stakeholders, again, you have to put yourself in their mindset. And when you're speaking to them, it's about persuading them that you understand their interests and that you're able to support their interests to a degree. Maso Meno, sometimes you can't do that all the time. But it's really about showing them, one, I'm professional and I got my shit together. You can trust me. And then two, understanding and being empathetic where they're coming from. Where are they feeling threatened? What are their needs? What do their stakeholders need to know? This is a true service job. This is almost like being in the hospitality business, right? We're here to serve all of these other stakeholders as opposed to ourselves. So we have a lot of masters to serve. So it's really about doing your job before. It's really about networking within the company and understanding who the key players are and developing those relationships. And it's somewhat doing your own PR as well internally when you're merchandising the kinds of things that you're doing, not in a vulgar, obnoxious sort of way, but there's ways to make people aware of the kind of work that you're doing. So you establish that credibility, you establish that you're credentialed. So I trust you and I will believe you, et cetera. And, and, and I think that that's probably the most authentic, best way to go about it. And then when you're in really, really tough situations and someone's really, really getting in your way, sometimes you have to call in senior management and say, this guy's getting in the way, I need some help. Call in friends, call in backup. And that's what I do all the time. So um, I also know that a couple of people listening will likely be people that um, take on projects from time to time. And a lot of times, you know, internal comms tends to get roped in too late into almost everything. And uh, big Always. change, yeah, exactly. I mean, and big change processes are a part of this, right? <laughs> So let's say you get roped in for a change communications project and uh, this change is happening right now and you have not had the chance to build up your yeah. credibility. How, how do you start presenting yourself then? Do you start referring to your portfolio or? So I've been in a, in a situation where McKinsey or Boston Consulting has you know, done their fancy spreadsheets and PowerPoints and they're like, oh, by the way, we're gonna flip the switch tomorrow and we're making this change and no one knows what the hell to do and there's no communications plan against it. So for me, um, if you brought into that kind of situation, they're going to probably know if you're good or not. And then secondly, the way that I always, um, not to be obnoxious, but I think the way that you present yourself and the way you talk about the solution and you map out, okay, this is happening. Well, these are the five to 10 things that we have to do immediately and you just start speaking from your experience and you speak with confidence um, is a great way to win over people and to get things going. Um, so I'm a consultant and I, I, you know, I work with these huge brands all over the world, et cetera, and all that kind of good stuff. Agencies usually bring me in under like crazy, call me at midnight. We have this big presentation the next day. We have four creative platforms that we need. So, if you have, if you're brought in like that, you've probably already established your reputation as being someone who can fight a fire really quickly. 
And if you haven't, by showing you know what you're doing, by coming up with the lists and the action plan and being action oriented and being proactive and suggesting things versus sitting in the corner and waiting for someone to tell you what to do, to me, that indicates someone that is, you know, knows what they're doing or at least has a really vested interest. So you just named two things that are actually big issues within the internal comms industry. Uh, one is to be proactive and not let things happen to you. And then the other part, which is a recurring theme throughout our podcast actually is confidence, right? It, it yeah. must be so tough if you're, uh, let's take the perspective of somebody who's in-house for a change. You've been there for five years, change yeah. starts happening and you've been the person who always gets roped in last minute. Is this that moment in time where you say, okay, buck up, buddy. It's time to cash in on all of the credibility that I've built up with my, uh, with my peers, my stakeholders and such, and then really go for it? Or it, it how do you flip that switch? How would you, well, to be honest, it's almost like I'm talking from a psychology perspective, but how do you suddenly gain it the is. confidence that you need? Listen, at the end of the day, it's your time to shine. And it's an opportunity. And so I view everything, like I said, I view everything as an opportunity and as an opportunity to learn a lesson. So hopefully, you know, you've been able to establish that trust on the way out there. Hopefully you've built out an organization where you're not being reactive. Hopefully as an internal comms person, you're actually building out content calendars with the milestones that we know that the company is gonna have. We know that there's like a product that's gonna launch in six months or something, or, there's gonna be these kinds of activities. Being as proactive as possible and gaining the measurement from the communications and the talking, et cetera, will help you activate in that moment of need. And sometimes it's, you know, you're gonna be successful. Sometimes you're gonna completely screw up and it, things are gonna go very, very badly. So it's an opportunity to sit there like, okay, either I can beat myself up or I can learn from this opportunity and I can change it and turn it around. It's hilarious because the things that I'm talking about today, there's no magic. You see, there's it's all Captain Obvious stuff, right? It's just kind of going back internally and trusting what you know and having the right intention when you walk into that into that meeting and saying, this is what I can do. This is where I'm going to need some help and I'm not the best at it. Fair enough. Did I answer so, the question? Oh, abso <laughs> uh, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I think confidence, okay. to me, confidence... Uh, especially in those situations comes very much from being extremely transparent about who you are, knowing what people can expect yeah. from you, knowing what you can expect from them. <clears throat> so and don't fake it too much. We have a, we have a fake it till you make it right. But if you really don't know how to do something, don't pretend because the outcome is going to be much worse for your reputation and the company than, 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 you know, trying to do something and really failing at it. So you're sticking hey, to that old, yeah. So you're you're sticking to that old PR saying of PR is the truth well told. It's true. Yeah, fair it's enough. True. Hey, so let's say you're in this big change process and you've managed to create some sort of form of alignment, right? You're you've managed to touch upon at least uh, a core amount of leaders that you need to communicate messages properly, and you've kind of brought out that maybe renewed mission and vision, maybe renewed core values, uh, whatever it is that that changed how do you shift from we're sending on the level of this is what is new to oh people are actually talking about this themselves it's it's become a bottom-up thing and not just a top-down thing so again the 
depends on how large your organization is, right? So I've worked with those like massive kind of companies, but you can also, it could be a person, a company of 10 people. At the end of the day, getting those messages into the hands of those champions that I told you, like for example, the city, you know, um, we had to work with the, the retail side of things. Well, guess what? The retail bankers, the, the people who are in the cashiers or in the, in the tellers, they don't have access to the internet, right? So how are you going to, it's not gonna be an email blast to the internet, how are you gonna reach them? What about the people in the call center? They don't have access to the internet either. Um, but the executives do, the management team does. So what you do is you have to create an infrastructure that allows you to distribute it in multiple channels. And it's not just about distributing it and saying, hey, here you go, here's your messages, have a good time. Then it's about having conference calls, webcasts, et cetera, to onboard those managers to make sure that they understand, or line, line workers, to make sure that they understand the message, to make sure that they understand why, to ask questions, to make sure that they understand that the Q&A that you gave them. So that's baseline. And this is like what we're talking about. Like this is the immediate change management, CEOs going, new guys coming in kind of a thing. But let's say if you're rolling out a new mission, vision, um, and, and all that kind of good stuff, you now have to think about initiatives to make that stick. Remember, internal comms is just con consumer communications within a company. So think about when a brand markets to you, how many different times are you seeing the message in the different formats? What, what kind of format is the message? It's Instagram with a caption of like, what, 20 words kind of a thing? It's a short 30 second video. It's also an email blast kind of a thing. It's infographics, it's posters, it's all of those surround sound kind of things that you have to think about. And the beauty of having this like champions network, ambassadors network, they will tell you the best way to communicate with their peers because they understand the communication methods. They understand what's most pressing with, with, their, um, with their peers. And it's about the toolkit. It's not about doing the toolkit in global, whether it's London, Amsterdam, or New York. It's about making sure you develop the toolkit centrally, but then you socialize it locally to make sure that you adapt the messages and make sure that whatever initiative you develop later on is actually going to work. Are they buying what you're selling is what I always say. So you're basically looking at it like um, a cross-media approach, essentially. Stop only focusing totally. on one channel, incorporate multiple with the same message multi-channel approach listen at the end of the day internal comms is the best marketing gig in america in the, in the world because you can you can do kind of all these really cool creative things within the confine of your company the cost is not isn't, isn't as extraordinary as an external marketing campaign it can be really cool it can be really fun i think of it as an as a great way to create a consumer engagement campaign internally and i have fun with it we for City, we created, um, you know, City 200 music. We went and um, had bankers um, audition on their iPhone um, because we wanted to recruit a bunch. We wanted to create a virtual orchestra. We hired Marius DeVries, the producer of Moulin Rouge. We had hundreds of bankers submit their um, music sample. We had the interns review it. And then we went around the world and shot individual bankers playing the music, stitched it together, and created a music video to talk about how City is now one company and how they're proud to be, you know, they're proud to be city. That's pretty freaking cool. That's even wow. better than doing a Super Bowl ad for me. Honestly, when you have like 
60 to 90,000 employees looking at this video with pride. It's on their hold music. It's on their YouTube channel. That's fun. That's cool. And that's a great way to, re to, to reinstill pride for a company that had a really rough time post-financial crisis. That's amazing. That sounds almost like something an ad campaign uh, uh, or an ad agency would have come up with for you. And that's how I think about it. I think about the way I communicate to employees the same way I would create a marketing campaign for a consumer brand. How do they want to hear the message? How, what format do they want to see it in? And what's going to trigger that change? And how do I hit them more than two to three times so they remember? And, you know, also uh, worth putting a, a, a fine exclamation mark behind. This is City we're talking about. And they're a very forward-thinking company, but it, it's not Google or Apple or, or like this super progressive tech company, right? So even within the bounds right. of, let's say, more of a corporation, you managed to find a very creative way to do things. Yeah, and, and I think that's why I get called. Um, because my team, we, we always think in that consumer mindset. The other thing I'll say that's really, really important is that you recruit those peers to be a part of those campaigns, actually physically in those campaigns. So I, I just did a, a big project with Nova Nordisk um, and we just, we, we, I can talk about this because we, we were at a speaking conference. They were changing their strategy in terms of how they, um, you know, career development. So we recruited different employees within the company to talk about their career track at Novo Nordisk. And it was to inspire employees to say, even if you start in one part of the company, we want you to grow your career with us. So we brought people who started in as interns in sales and then went into research and marketing. Um, folks who started off in science that wound up in a completely different division within the company to inspire employees to stay. Because right now it's all about retention. We're, at, we're, we're having, everyone is having a really difficult time recruiting talent. We want to keep the people that we have. That's, I love it. <laughs> uh, 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 Rum, I think your, your stories are really going to inspire a lot of internal communicators out there to think like a creative agency, even if they're one person. Uh, so I yeah. really want to thank you for, for putting that forward to them. Uh, I think I just maybe to, to end this uh, podcast, maybe you can, if you were to say, look, here's really what I want to give you. These are the things that you need to be successful as an internal communicator during leadership changes, during culture changes, what would those things be? Breathe. Um, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, and I've done this for a while, and I've been in very, very stressful situations where I have, like, you know, panic attack and the whole thing. And my, my, biggest, my biggest advice is to breathe and to use your logic. At the end of the day, put yourself in the other person's shoes and think about what would I want to hear? What would I need to see to help me feel like, okay, everything's not falling apart. Um, everything is going to be okay. How would I want to be reassured myself authentically? And then have fun. Um, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to turn around, be a part of a turnaround, to be part of a new management structure, to relaunch a company and to do really creative programs, even if it is just a newsletter, you can put your own spin on it. You can download really cool royalty-free images and make it look much more slick than you know the, the average email blast kind of a thing. It's truly an opportunity for you to express yourself. It's truly an opportunity to have an impact on the company. 
I love it. Rum, thank you so much for your time and all of your inspiration. A pleasure. Uh, I really look forward <laughs> to uh, hearing what everybody has to say about this. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, where can they reach you? So there's two ways. You can go to rumandco.nyc, that's R-U-M-A-N-C-O.nyc, or just drop me an email at rum at rumandco.nyc. I don't think anybody will, uh, will be able to miss that. Fantastic. Uh, Ram, <laughs> again, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I look forward to having you back on the show sometime. Fantastic. Cheers. Pleasure. <laughs>